1: That's it. Matt Murray's done. D-O-N-E, done. He can't play again in this series. You know, he just might be done in Pittsburgh as well. Good morning, good Thursday morning to you. I presume some of you could still possibly be having a good morning. I'm Dan Kovachevich of DK Pittsburgh Sports and the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network where you can find this show daily shot every Monday through Friday, bright and early. Please set us to automatic downloads wherever it is that you get your podcasts from. Makes things easier for you, helps out our business. Murray was not the singular cause to the Penguins losing Game 3 of their Stanley Cup qualifying round series with the Canadiens 4-3 to last night in Toronto. He wasn't. At the same time, he and the Penguins had a 3-1 lead a good bit of the way through the second period. And some fairly decent momentum, at least from the scoring standpoint, once Teddy Bluger and the fourth line put in that third goal of theirs. My friends, you have to win that game. You have to win that game. That goes on a lot of people. There are a lot of Penguins who didn't play up to their peak. But ultimately, that responsibility when something like that happens, is going to go primarily on your goaltender, especially when there have been questions, concerns, criticisms, doubts, some of them valid, some of them not, but some of them even within the coaching staff. And we don't have to guess at that. We don't have to be a fly on the wall. All we have to do is look at what they did as opposed to what they said. And if you look at what they did going way back to the regular season – They turned to Tristan Jari. Tristan Jari became the team's number one goaltender for a pretty significant stretch there. And it wasn't until post-Christmas that they really started trying to get Murray back into the number one spot. That's Sullivan for you. He, he, He loves Matt Murray. He doesn't hide that. He's not ashamed of it. He's not worried about any negative perception attached to that because the times that he has stuck by Murray he's gotten himself a couple of rings. This isn't that time. It isn't. This is not 2016 and 2017 where when Murray would struggle and Sullivan would say, all right, that's it, I'm sticking by him. For that matter, this isn't between games one and two of this series where the the Penguins played pretty well in game one And Murray really gave up just the one kind of softish goal to Nick Suzuki, that her from the left circle. And Sullivan could look like, all right, Matt, we've been through this before. Here's the adversity. We're going to stick by it, and you're going to go get him. And then he does. He played extremely well in game two. And then game three comes along, and he has a 3-1 lead. And he loses it. You can say what you want breaking down each individual goal, you know, this one was his fault. This one wasn't his fault. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter what you think of the Jeff Petrie goal in isolation. That obviously isn't one that anybody wants to give up. I mean, you don't want a defenseman roofing a short side puck over your shoulder from basically hovering near the goal line. That, that That's not a good goal. But this isn't even about that. It's the more general thing. There was a three to one lead and then it became a four to three loss. That can shake your whole team up. That's where and why a change absolutely, positively, unequivocally must happen for game four. I know a lot of you think right now that it's very obvious that Sullivan should and will do this, I'm here to tell you it's not obvious. It'll crush him to do this if he does it. But he has no choice. Even stepping back for Murray and his own performance, what you have to think about here is the impact on the rest of the team. A blown lead cuts you to the bone in hockey. It's painful. It's not just painful for the goaltender. It's painful for everyone, especially when it's in an important, critical game like this. They need a change. They need some momentum coming their way. They need to throw some doubts, some skepticism into Montreal's minds going into Game 4. We beat that other guy, but we don't know about this one. You want them thinking thoughts like that. Because here's the ugliest truth of all, as it relates to Game 3. It's not about a certain player or goaltender, forward, defenseman, falling short. The Montreal Canadiens, who look way more inspired, way more physical, way more determined, way faster than what I'd envisioned going into this series, given that they had absolutely nothing to play for. The whole concept of their participation was found gold. The Canadians had 58 shot attempts to the Penguins' 57. If you don't know what shot attempts are, it's exactly what it sounds like. If you take a shot on goal, that's a shot attempt. If you take a shot and you miss with it, it's still a shot attempt. It means that you were still free enough and you were still somewhere in or near the attacking zone to shoot the puck. If you shoot it and it gets blocked... That's also a shot attempt. Same thinking. The idea is to try to track your possession, your your aggressiveness. How much did you have the puck? How much were you a threat to score versus the other guys? 58 to 57. In the first two games, it wasn't like that. The Penguins had the possession. The Penguins had the puck. The Penguins had the shot attempts. This right now Crazy as it sounds, crazy as it looks, with even a cursory glance at both of these rosters, is an even series, meaning just in terms of their level of play. We can break down all of the strategies and motivations and everything else here. Right now, that doesn't matter. We'll have time for that, especially if the Penguins are eliminated really soon. We'll have all kinds of time for intricate analysis of everything that went wrong. What matters right now is that Montreal's on even footing. That wasn't supposed to be the case. Remember that entering this, the Penguins had, per everyone's perception, not just mine, everyone's perception, including everybody in Montreal, I might add, enormous advantages At forward, on defense, on the power play, on the penalty kill. Everywhere except one position. Montreal had the goalie. Montreal still has the goalie. Montreal has Carey Price. The Penguins don't. So this other stuff, meaning all of it, needed to significantly favor Pittsburgh in order for the Penguins to advance. That's your biggest worry right now, is that the Canadians have taken away the Penguins' advantages, plural, and made it a series that comes down to our goalie against your goalie. And Kerry Price is going to win that. He just is. He's not just a better goaltender than Matt Murray. He's not just a better goaltender than Tristan Jari. I think he's a better goaltender than anybody on the planet. In terms of talent, in terms of big game performance over the course of his career, in terms of steadiness, in terms of the impact that he has on the rest of his team, you see that the Canadians feed off of him. They trust him to make the save. And then they go flying up ice. Everything has started with him. The Penguins need to counter. They need to counter what Montreal has and to take away that advantage, but also to rebuild their own. That's going to involve Not just changing goaltenders, but also a couple other moves. To start, yes, Tristan Jari absolutely, unequivocally, positively must be the Game 4 starter. And Game 5, for that matter, obviously. No matter what happens in Game 4. You put him in, you stick with him. He's got to win you the whole series, not just Game 4. Jari's faced the Canadians twice this season. Jari outplayed, outpracticed Murray in the exhibitions in the summer camp that were conducted post-shutdown. He's become, as I've been saying for months, the better goaltender. You don't make it to this situation and not switch goalies. You don't go down with the ship, which is what Sullivan would be doing by trusting Murray one potentially final time. Referencing, of course, that Murray will be a restricted free agent and the Penguins might be inclined to move him anyway because of the Seattle expansion draft next summer. If you're ever going to turn to Tristan Jari, you're doing it now. But I don't think that's it. I don't think that's the only move. I'm looking at Patrick Marlowe. I had hopes for him. I thought that maybe if he had been placed on a more skilled setting alongside Evgeny Malkin and Brian Russ, that there was a chance that you could find some kind of cohesiveness there, and at the same time have Jason Zucker, who's more of a grinding type, make more sense on a, on a buzzsaw-type third line. Uh, Zucker obviously has top-six skill. We've seen it, but I, he also has more of that ability to crank and grind in the attacking zone. Marlowe hasn't gotten it done. Marlow was on the ice for a couple of goals against. He also was commendably screening Carey Price on the Zucker goal. He hasn't been bad, but when you're looking at what the Canadians are doing and the advantages that they're building up, you've got to be looking for, for speed and defending and the ability to hound Montreal. I loved the fact that Sullivan switched up before Game 3 from Jared McCann to... Sam Lafferty, I thought that was a good move. That was one that I'd been pushing for, really, since the start of the series. He didn't wait too long to pull that trigger. Lafferty was on for a goal against two. I don't know how much of it was his fault. That was a difficult play to defend, meaning the the first Montreal goal. But I'd also like to see Evan Rodriguez in there. And in order to do that, the only player who could possibly come out that would make any sense would be Marlowe. I sure wouldn't be worried about Patrick Marlowe's feelings or any sort of commitment to his veteran status or whatever. He's not a penguin. He's a shark. And I don't mean that in some derisive way. I just mean that it's not like the organization or the franchise owes him something. It's giving him a chance to get a ring. He can't get a ring if the Penguins don't win games four and five. So you got to go with what your best chances are to do that. If he gets back in the lineup, he gets back in. And then we get to defense, where everybody's going to pile on to Jack Johnson. Actually, I don't even know that there's a way to discuss Jack without piling on. It feels like no matter what it is that you say about him, there's 5 billion people that have already said something far worse. Jack didn't have a good game. And when you're facing a team like the Canadiens who can swing wide on you, We saw Paul Byron do that, by the way, to John Marino on the goal that everybody's ripping Jack for because Jack was the last guy that was left in front of the net. But that was Marino that got beat on those left boards and beaten badly, I might add, by Byron swinging wide. They have players who can do that. They have some of the speed that you'd want to be able to do that on a consistent basis. Jack's not the defenseman for that. Uso Ricola is a much better fit for that. Sullivan and or Jacques Martin don't trust Ricola. They haven't from the very beginning, even when he had the world's greatest training camp. Some of you will recall. They were still just tiptoeing every single step with him. There was something that they didn't like that they didn't trust that's never really gone away. Ricola would make for a better look out there. Is it doing something to unsettle Justin Schultz in the middle of a playoff? Who cares? Who cares? It's not like Schultz has been all that good either. When you get to a game four and game five, you really shouldn't be rotating your third pairing through as often anyway. Those are the three changes I'd make. From a personnel standpoint, from a strategic standpoint, I hate this dumping stuff. I, I I warned everybody, I warned all of you, back in the second day of the Penguins training camp, uh, the one that they had in Cranberry, three weeks ago, they started with this elevated dump and chase into the corner. The Penguins are a skilled team. The one thing they haven't done in this series at any point, at any point, is get into some kind of groove where they make skilled plays five-on-five. Five. Sullivan takes a lot of pride in saying we're never going to take the sticks out of our players' hands. That's, that's his phrasing for you got to play within our system, but we're also going to give you the freedom to create. Dumping and chasing ain't it. As I wrote that day from practice when I couldn't believe what I was seeing – Crosby and Malkin were the first two guys on the drill to do a dump and chase. And I I didn't like it then and I don't like it now. It felt like almost too great of an adjustment to a team that frankly didn't deserve that kind of adjustment, meaning Montreal. There were all kinds of ways to wear down the Canadiens' defense just on having their heads swiveling around. Through highly skilled plays. Instead, they were going for this dumping and turn your back to the play and you know, go hit Shea Weber and hit Jeff Petrie and you know make these guys regret turning around or regret feeling comfortable with the puck. That's nice and everything, but how about also making sure that you're generating scoring chances using this immensely skilled roster that you have? So i changed that too. When we come back, I'll talk about a lot more change, meaning if they lose. Alexi Lafreniere is his name. I'll save you the trouble of looking it up or, for that matter, looking up the correct pronunciation. That's actually how you say it. first name looks like Alexis. It's pronounced Alexi. The last name is Lafreniere. And he is the consensus number one overall pick in the coming NHL draft, which will be conducted after these playoffs are completed. For anybody who doesn't know, You could be hearing a lot about this very soon. The Penguins are one of the teams, incredibly enough, through this strange pre-lottery that the NHL had, who have a 12.5% chance of having their ping-pong ball selected to get Lafreniere. He is not Crosby. He's not Ovechkin. He's not Malkin. He's not McDavid, but he's a very, very good player. And I'm sure the Penguins, after the fact, well after the fact, would be very, very happy to have him. And yeah, you know why I'm bringing him up. The second segment of this program is always brought to you by the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. During normal times, one in seven people in our region are food insecure, including one in five children. Not knowing where your next meal is coming from can be a scary thought. And now during the pandemic, the need for food's that much greater. If you are in need of food assistance, or if you'd just like to support the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Make sure you spell out those first three words. One dollar can provide enough food for up to five meals. If the penguins lose in addition to all of us starting to do heavy math on ping pong balls and trying to figure out what the odds are that the Penguins could win two lotteries in the same century (laughs) and stuff like that, the nature of who we are as Pittsburghers and people who appreciate, follow, love hockey in this city is such that we're going to immediately start talking about the core. We're going to immediately start talking about okay, that's it. Evgeny Malkin has two points in his last seven playoff games. Uh, even Sidney Crosby, I mean, he's had a, a decent series. He hasn't blown anybody away. Certainly didn't in Game Three. Chris Letang's had a good series. So it won't be necessarily as much about their individual performances as it is what are we really doing here? What's the outlook, not just for now, but for the next three, four years? How can we still maximize Sid, Gino, Letang or two of those three or one of those three or whatever it is for years to come? As I'm often... Pointing out the Boston Bruins have had a ton of success with an older core. I mean, you're still looking at Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, Zdeno Chara, Tuka Rask. Same four guys have been there forever. They're still really the heart and soul of that team, even with the rise of David Pasternak and other guys. They're still the core. The Bruins have just done a really good job of surrounding them with younger, faster players who can keep them operating at the speed that's needed to contend for a Stanley Cup. Maybe the Penguins don't have that. Maybe the Penguins hardly ever having a first-round pick has caught up to them. Maybe it's time they start hanging on to their Samuel Poulans and their Nathan Legares and the picks that, were produced to get those players and to get other players and to not keep giving away first round picks, second round picks for Jason Zucker, Patrick Marlowe, and so forth. Maybe it's time for a different approach. I'm obviously speaking here in the hypothetical event that the Penguins get eliminated. I'm not sure that that's going to happen. But I am sure that this is where the discussion will go, if it does. I'm also sure of this. What a road they've got ahead of them. Have you thought about this at all? From the very beginning, we knew that the Penguins would have to win not four rounds, but five rounds to win the Stanley Cup. To my mind, the very last thing they could have afforded in this setting, other than the obvious, meaning injuries, would be a long, protracted series against a team they should have just mopped up. And that's what they're in for now. Game four is Friday at 4 p.m. Game five is Saturday at an undetermined time, but still within 24 hours. It's boom, boom. And then they're going to go right into however it is the teams above them get reseeded. It's going to be one of the top four teams in the Eastern Conference, so one of the Lightning Bruins, Capitals, and Flyers. Really, really tough round, a tough best-of-seven round after the Montreal bleeping Canadians just took you to five. And then you get reseeded yet again for what will be the second actual round of actual Stanley Cup playoffs so you'll get another one of those teams that'll be feeling even better about itself and it'll still be way fresher than you and theoretically healthier and then you got to take on another one of them just to get to the final um this hurts this this loss really hurt. I don't know that it killed the penguins' chances, but it did massive damage. There's no denying it. Even if the penguins do rattle off two really impressive wins here and feel really good about themselves, what they've done to themselves by allowing the series to get to this point is going to hurt them. Is absolutely going to hurt them. I'm not sure what the answers are for that. I'm not sure that there are any. But I do know that Mike Sullivan has moves to make. And it can't be like 2016 and 2017 where he just says, Matt, you're my guy. You've always bounced back. You've always fought back from adversity. This isn't the time. This isn't the time. If Game 4 isn't the occasion on which the Penguins do bring in some newer, younger blood, not just between the pipes, but also at the other two positions that I referenced, rest assured that new blood will be coming in after they're eliminated. Only it'll be for a much longer haul. Coming up today at 11 a.m., It'll be the Pirates Pod with Alex Stumpf and Noah Hiles. I'll be back at PNC Park for 1.35 p.m. First pitch between the Pirates and the Twins, writing another column, and then this podcast will be back tomorrow morning. Thank you so much for listening to this.
0: Your front door. Your car. Your gym locker. Your bike. Your computer. Your window. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home, car, and everything you want to keep safe. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you own a firearm, it's your responsibility to store it safely when it's not in use. Choose a system that works for you. Cable locks, lock boxes, and gun safes are some of the most effective ways to protect your family and keep firearms secured. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure and find out how to get a free firearm safety kit. Visit ProjectChildSafe.org. That's ProjectChildSafe.org. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance.